Here, Ben, you preach. I don't want to preach after that. (laughs) Wow. Powerful. So powerful. You know, this services like this are sweet and they're special. And, uh, you know, you see the kids up here and and, uh, nativity scenes and you hear the, you you drive around and you, you see nativity scenes set up in people's yards and you uh, you go to different programs or you watch movies and things like that, and you see various depictions of Christmas. But, you know, the fact is, there's so much of this whole story we really don't know very much about. There's just so many facts that we really don't have. I mean, was it really December 25th? We don't really know. Are we off by a few days? Are we off by a few months? We don't know. Or are we spot on? We really don't know. Bible scholars disagree. Biblical texts don't align the birth of Jesus the way they do his death, where they align it with the Passover and and ways that we can date it and ways that we can establish it. You know, how long uh, were they in Bethlehem before the baby was born? Was it that night upon arrival? Was it hours or days or weeks or months? that they were there before the baby actually came. And I always wonder, were Joseph and Mary alone? You know, I mean, can you just imagine Joseph and Mary are alone in this thing, and Mary starts going to labor, and, and she's kind of just a kid herself, and, and, and all of a sudden, Joseph, you know, he's, he's just frantic, and she's like, Joseph, just go boil some water or something, you know, just, just do something. You know, I kind of think maybe there was some old granny in town that, you know, came over and, and said, you, son, go outside and, and wait. I'll, I'll, we'll take care of this. We don't know. So many facts we don't know. So many things about that whole scene that we really don't know. What was the stable like? What was the manger like? We we don't really know. How far away were the shepherds? We don't really know. But this we do know. We know that Luke chapter 2 verse 7 says that she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Whether it was December or April, in a cave or in a barn, the day they arrived or a month later, alone or attended, we know that she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Now, how did we get to this event? Is this just some random event that occurred, or was there a reason behind it? This event that changed the world, the most universally celebrated at least acknowledged event that I know of. Why did all this even happen? Why was it necessary? Well, here's what we do know. Let's take a little biblical survey to get back to this point. Let's start in a garden. Let's start in a garden where God had created man and had put the man and the woman in this fabulous garden and he'd given them one restriction. He'd said, there's one tree in this garden that you cannot eat from. He says, you may surely eat, verse, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, says you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. This we know man ate. That man ate of that tree. And so Genesis 3, chapter 6 tells us that when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was a delight to the eye, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And as a result, we know that man was separated from God, that he went and hid from God, actually, and was cast out of that ideal place. And Genesis 3 says that, therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. This we do know. But Adam and Eve's sin didn't only affect them, but it affected all mankind from that point forward. And we know that Romans 5.12 tells us that therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. This, trust me, we do know that we all sin. And just as Adam's sin separated him from God, our sin separates us from God. Sadly, this we know as well. But our iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. It's pretty bleak, huh? But you know what? There's good news too. Yes, it is true. That the sixth chapter of Romans, the first part of verse 23, says that the wages of sin is death. But it is just as true that the second part of that verse says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But see, just like most Christmas gifts, just like the ones that many of us will give maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe have already given, good news to my family. Good news to anyone that has a gift coming from me. I'm not going to charge you for it. It's going to be free. Free to you, but not free to me. And that's the way gifts are. They're free to the recipient, but not free to the giver. Matter of fact, it can be very, very costly to the giver. The free gift of eternal life is, well, hi there. How are you? You escaped, I see. Oh, my goodness. You ready to go? All right, you ready to go see Nana? I'll go, go see Nana. Well, that's a first. I love it. I love it. That'll go down in my, in my uh, annals of great moments <laughs> as pop. For sure. Where was I? <sighs> Gifts. Free to the recipient. Costly to the giver. And when the cost or the price is death, as Romans 6 tells us, that is very, very costly indeed. To the one who gives it. And if that cost is death, then for us there had to be a substitute. There had to be a sacrifice or we'd all have to pay that price. And the shedding of blood was required because Hebrews 9.22, we know, says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. But we also know that Jesus, existing in the form of God, Existing in spirit form, no blood to shed. So something had to happen. 
something truly amazing, something truly miraculous, something truly humble, something truly sacrificial. And this we know, that though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but, me, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So here we are. Here we are celebrating that birth, the birth of our Savior, the Son of God, having taken on flesh, God becoming man, having taken on a body so that there could be a sacrifice, so that blood could be shed, so that we, having been separated from God, could be reunited and restored to him through faith in Christ. We don't know exactly how that birth all took place. We don't know exactly when that birth took place. We don't know exactly the scene around which that birth took place. But this we do know. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, born to die to meet the requirements, to pay the required price, to be the sacrifice that will forgive our sins, to be the light of the world, a light that we celebrate tonight, a light that in a few moments will represent the spreading of that light. But that payment for the forgiveness of sins, to do you, to do me any good, has to be received as a free gift. But we must receive it because this we do know that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Would you do that tonight if you've never before received Christ as your Savior? Would you receive him tonight? Would you pray with me? If you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. I just invite you to take a moment and consider the price that was paid to cover completely and forgive and take away and carry as far as the east is from the west our sins and remember them no more, to fully reconcile us to God, to create a, a situation where there's no barrier between us and God that sin creates, but that through Jesus that barrier is taken down. And if you've never received Christ, if you've never received that gift, that free gift of eternal life, simply in your heart, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, in your heart, praying a prayer so simple, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. And right now, as best I know how, I receive the payment that Jesus Christ made for me, that he took on flesh and offered himself up to be crucified to die for me, but he rose again from the dead and he's coming back again. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, would you just pray that in your own words? There's no magic words. And Father, my prayer is that if there's someone here who's never trusted Christ, maybe they've been in the church their whole life, but it's just been the motions. They've never truly entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
and been reconciled to you through what Christ did on the cross. And that little baby coming to earth, growing and living a sinless life, and then giving himself up to be crucified, that gift doesn't apply to them until they receive it. And may tonight be the night when that gift is received. In Jesus' name, amen.